0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: What a beautiful day for horses in the morning.
0: You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida.
2: And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for January 10th, episode 3096. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on
3: Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned, and completing the challenge is the challenge... You're an endurance rider. That's right. It is
0: Endurance Day here on the second Tuesday of every month, although I did not think we would actually have the show today because Karen lives in a place that's getting mountains of snow uh, and uh, power outages. But your power is on this moment, right?
2: It's on right now. Yes, it's snowing really well right now on top of a lot of rain so yes we've had a lot of issues with road closures and power lines trees down that sort of thing
0: well we'll talk more about that in a second <laughs> and, and then i thought well i should ask karen if she just wants to skip this month because uh you know because it's february and there's not a lot going on or january not a lot going on i'm already in february um and uh all of a sudden then i look at the show notes today and you have four guest books so tell us tell us what we what we have going on today
2: we're already i'm going to talk about my tip about calculating out your ride times then we're going to t- speak with uh Kristen from the distance depot then sarah Cuthbertson, who is a fitness trainer from ride like an athlete and then we're going to go to claire uh, Eckard, who is the author of the new book releasing today on Amazon, Race Against Time, A Girl, A Pony, and the Toughest 100 Mile Race in the World. And then we're going to talk to a writer about a book review that has Uh, Read the book, and she's going to give us her thoughts about it.
0: And that's about uh, that book's about Kyla and her pony, uh, her hackney pony Flash. And we had Kyla on the show after after the Tevis and talked about her hackney pony because I have a hackney Mm -hmm. pony. So, uh, you know, I always related to her. And I'm excited now. They have a book. They have a documentary coming out. All kinds of stuff. And she's like uh, 12 years old.
2: Um, probably a little older now. Yeah, 13. Yeah, she was she was young. You know,
0: she was. Twelve or 13, I think, at the time. Uh, so yeah, we're going to talk to the, uh, all of them about uh, all of that today. You have a full day planned. But first, uh, last week, you, you, well, let's tell everybody where you live. You live in northern Nevada in the mountains along the coast of California,
2: correct? Um, well, it's not really the coast of California, although I am considered West Coast, but I'm on this side of, um, I guess, the eastern side of the Sierras here, um, just below Lake Tahoe. So that gives
0: everybody an idea where you are, and if anybody's been watching the news, you see the invented names that the weathermen have been using for all the storms hitting California right now, and Bomb Cyclone has come up about 85 times, and uh, pretty much San Uh Francisco's just washing into the ocean, and you're buried in snow.
2: Right. And we've also gotten a lot of rain. So we have flooding. And then we have the snow come down. And because it's really wet and heavy, that starts to um, cause trees to fall down. And then the power lines come down. So it's making things extremely difficult. Travel's difficult. Um, We've been without power. Some people went five days or more without power. Do you
0: have a backup generator at your place?
2: We have a small one. We're looking.
0: (laughs) Yes, we're looking
2: into you know getting an electrician out to wire everything so that we can get a bigger one.
0: Yeah, it might be time. You get your power goes out a lot where you live.
2: It's time. Yeah, it's time because without power, we have no water. Because we need water or we need electricity to pump the well pumps. So, you know, it's always nice to be a little bit self-sufficient and not have to worry. You know, at least with when the power goes out during a snowstorm, you know, you can always start throwing your stuff from the fridge and the freezer out into the snow if you have right, to. Right,
0: right. Exactly. <laughs> so do you do you live at the top of a mountain or do you live in the mountains or at the base of no, the
2: mountains? No, I'm in the valley at the base of – I've got the Sierras on one side and the Pine Nut Range on the other that back up like right behind me.
0: So you have pretty views all the time.
2: We do, yes. It's gorgeous. I can see the ski runs at Heavenly. And the the Sierras, I
0: heard, were just – I mean, there's going to be nobody hiking the Sierras next year because the snow's never going to melt.
2: (laughs) Well, you you know, see, that's the worry. If we get these rains that are coming in, you know, like they went through San Francisco this morning at 6.15, once they move over here, depends on if it keeps raining and stays warm, it can cause a lot of snow melt, which will lead to more flooding. So we're hoping that it doesn't do that and it just stays – to the snow, but yes, it's going to do a lot of damage. I'm sure to area trails and stuff like that with washouts because we've had so many fires over the last few years. Now there's burn scars, and they're real susceptible to mud um, slides and stuff like that.
0: California can't win. It's either burning down or flooding. <laughs> it's what it's-
2: <laughs> It seems like it, you know, and so we're getting, we've been getting so restless here. We've been, you know, resorting to taking the horses out for walks around the neighborhood, which is... Kind of fun, kind of dicey at times when the roads are all you know covered in ice. So we're just really careful. But you know, they're getting bored. We're getting bored. We need to get out and and do something.
0: Yeah, Arabians, and, uh, When you took pictures of, their, <laughs> pictures of them last week, I mean, the snow was up to their bellies. Uh huh. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. not.
0: They're yeah. not made for that, Karen.
2: Well, you know, they were getting used to going out and being worked and ridden two or three or four times a week. And then it just nothing. And so they, they sit there and they stare at me from the barn. <laughs> I can see them staring towards the house going, are Hello? we going to do something? Hello.
0: <laughs> need some stimulation here. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it's cold and, and uh, I'm not used to this. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I wish you the best. I hope that this snow, uh, you said it's snowing right now. I hope, uh, hope it isn't as bad as last week's. Uh,
2: I know. Thanks. <laughs> uh,
0: so now it's also that time of the year when we start naming Horse of the Year for various things, and I think we have one of those.
2: We do. We have the Arabian Horse Association's 2022 Distance Horse of the Year, and that went to the horse owned and ridden by Christoph Schork, VA Blizzard of Oz, also known as Ozzy.
0: And yeah, that's only an eight-year-old, right?
2: Uh Uh-huh. Eight-year-old Gelding. So there's a long career there ahead. He had a heck of a year last year on him, and and we interviewed Christoph a couple of months ago and learned more about uh, Ozzy then.
0: Very good. And then it seems like endurance is the
2: red headed stepchild, yeah
0: <laughs> of course, sports. It seems like it's the most jinxed sport at the feI level, uh-huh. So tell us what's going on
2: now well, the they had the WEG scheduled, and it ended up getting canceled for numerous reasons. Of course, I'm That's sure a World of Question
0: there's, games for,
2: uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. And so now they have it rescheduled for February at the u a e. And uh, I know that's not going over real well. There's a (laughs) lot of politics involved and not everybody's happy. Uh, You know, it's it's one of those venues where it's expensive and they don't always have a lot of people, you know, uh, lined up to to do it. So well and it's
0: controversial for many many and, reasons which we don't have mm-hmm. to get into today but but one of the reasons right. was basically the horses were training for a different they were supposed to be in Italy right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, which is so, a completely different environment than the desert.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: So it does it does that mean there's just going to be less competitors? Are we even sending anybody? Is anybody going?
2: I think so. Um, you know, they their deadline is still not. Uh, they have until what what date is it? A nominated entries January 18th, and then definite entries deadline is January 25th.
0: Okay, so we'll know by then. So maybe next month we can talk more about what's happening and what's going on over there.
2: Maybe get somebody that on to
0: talk about the. Talk about mm-hmm. the U.S. team if anybody's once, if anybody's there. Know what's, yeah. yeah,
2: once they know what's going on.
0: Yeah. All right. Cool. And your endurance tip. Karen gives us a tip every month where she talks about uh, things that are pretty specific most of the times to endurance. And today's is definitely that.
2: Right. Okay, so... Kind of what I wanted to cover this time is calculating your ride time and speed. And there's a difference between your average speed versus your moving speed. So let me just explain the difference. When you when you're moving, that's the speed your horse is trotting. Whether they say, let's just try to keep the numbers sort of clean and easy for the math. You say your horse is trotting eight miles an hour, but it walks four miles an hour. So you need to be able to calculate what your average speed is going to be so that you can figure out what your speed overall needs to be in order to finish an endurance ride in time. So like if you're doing a a 25 miler, you have six hours. If you're doing a 50, you have 12 hours. So what you need to do is you need to subtract your hold times out of the total ride times. So let's just... Like I said, make it kind of simple. If you're doing a 25, let's say there's one hour of hole, that leaves you five hours of ride time. So if you divide that by 25 miles, that means you need to average five miles an hour. So that's important to know the difference so that you know and you're aware of what happens every time your horse stops to pee or drink, or you open a gate, or you get off to lead in or out of a check, or you're late leaving your whole time, that eats into your average moving time. So that's why it's important to know what your average time is, as well as what your horse's traveling speed is at different gates. Because if you end up walking more often than you're trotting, your average may drop below that five miles an hour that you need in order to finish that 25.
0: Gotcha. Okay.
2: So, so, um, you know, you can, you know, one other way to look at it is if you're averaging say one mile in 15 minutes, that's four miles an hour. So that means you're not going to make it in time, whether it's a, a 25 or a 50. So then, you know, you can try to speed that up. Let's just say you're, you know, you try to do a mile in a seven or eight minutes, then that makes it average out a little bit better so that, you know, you're going to keep up that five or six or six and a half mile pace, which is what you normally need to do in order to finish at 25 or 50 in time. And then that way you're not racing the clock and getting behind You're, you know, you're aware of the fact that, um, you know, you need to keep up, you know, a certain amount of average speed going. So, you know, a lot of people, I think, get behind or sometimes they may be going too fast because they think they need to trot the whole way or they need to um, keep up an eight or 10 mile an hour trot the whole way. And you don't, you just need to be able to calculate out, okay, so my horse is trotting between eight and 10 miles an hour, but he's only walking at, say, four miles an hour. And what is my average? And so that's something to kind of focus and think about when you're out on your training and conditioning rides. What am I averaging, you know, overall, you know, once you calculate in the amount of time you're spending every time your horse pees or drinks, or you need to get off uh, and take a break for something.
0: It's not like football, where we stop the clock.
2: Right, <laughs> exactly. You're you're on the clock, and uh, in fact, we're going to be talking about that shortly about uh, Kyla and uh, and her pony uh, in a race against time. So getting through Tavis. So what uh,
0: what do you use equipment wise? Do you use a special watch? Do you use a th- <laughs> mm-hmm. th- what do you use?
2: Um, well, GPSs are always popular. There's various handheld or wrist models, but there's also a lot of apps on your phone that you can use that, that will help you out with um, that sort of thing, like Ride With GPS, GeoTracker, yeah. tell Strava. You still
0: use Ride With GPS, right? Because I, I we're connected on there, so I see your… Uh, uh-huh,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: And I I like ride with GPS just for, you can use that whether you're walking or riding your bike or whatever, you know.
2: Exactly. Mm
0: -hmm. And that one works Mm -hmm. good, actually. There's a lot of uh, bicyclists that use that.
2: Yeah. I used to like Indomondo, but they did away with it because it would verbally tell me how many minutes it just took me to do my last mile. Oh, so I'm like, oh, it took me, you know, twelve or thirteen minutes to do that last mile. I need to speed that up a little bit.
0: Now, will we'll ride with GPS do a verbal? Um,
2: it does verbals if you have the premium version. Gotcha. It will. It will do more. It has more features then, and um, you know. But uh, you know, a lot of times, you you know, if you're riding the same type of terrain uh, you kind of get an idea of how far a mile is and then you can just sort of look at your watch you don't really need to be using any fancy gadgets or anything like that if if you don't want to
0: very good well that's uh karen's endurance tip of the month and now we're going to go to Kristen at distance depot and we're going to find out about some products this month
2: And next up, we have Kristen from the Distance Depot, and we're going to talk a little bit about safety equipment and visors. So welcome this morning, Kristen. How are you doing?
3: Just fine. Thanks for having me.
2: Okay, so let's start with your helmet line. Tell us about your helmets.
3: Okay. Well, we have quite a variety of helmets. Um, I would say our most popular helmets are the Tipperary Boardage helmets. We've had those for quite a few years. Um, there's the 8500, which we carry in black or white. It has great ventilation. So, our endurance riders who are in the saddle for long periods and trail riders, um, this is a great helmet um, just to, to help keep you cool. I, I wore mine all the time, and frankly, I'd be cooling my horse off, forget I even had my helmet on. Um, very comfortable um, and lightweight. Um, the Sportage Hybrid, that is an 8700 helmet. Um, comes in five colors. So the vents, the helmet itself is black, and then the vents are colored. So there's a teal and a purple, royal blue. So if you, um, have a favorite color, of course, you can order it in the, in your favorite color, but still, again, has the great vents and lightweight, um, helmet. And they are, um, tested to be, um, AS, a- 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 um, now I've lost it. ASTM. Uh, ASTM. 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 Thank you, ASTM. There's <laughs> only about 85 um, yeah. of SDI those different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I wanted to get that right. Um, but anyway, great helmet, um, and like I say, lightweight and cool. So it's probably why it's one of our best-selling helmets. We do have pretty um, helmets, too. We have the Glitz helmet, which has some pretty sparkle on it. I don't think the, the, um, it's an ovation helmet, and the vents aren't as big, but we have quite a few riders who are wearing those, too, um, because they are very pretty. <laughs> and, of course, protect your head as well. And we do have the Tipperary Windsor, which has the MIPS technology Um, which is, you know, supposed to be the the top-of-the-line latest innovation um, in the technology for helmet protection. Um, So we have one of those by tipper as well. And then, of course, we have different brims. Um, These helmets don't have huge visors. So if you're concerned with the sun, we have the Debrim, um, which is a nice big visor that goes all the way around the helmet. It simply slides on and you tighten it on put um, while you're galloping down the trail and um, on windy days, (laughs) and it's also good for rain, I've heard, uh, to keep the rain from dripping down the back of your neck, so that's a nice feature, too, Mm -hmm. and a couple of smaller visors as well if the Debrim isn't your style, so um, just to help with the sun protection uh, while you're out there on the trail, and then, of course, we have a couple of different safety vests out there, and I would say the Tipperary competitor is the lightest weight, um, most comfortable vest for um, trail riders and our endurance riders. So take a look at those vests. We have several different styles and helmet covers and nice things to fit under your helmet during the winter since a lot of us are riding in the cold these days. Um, We have the thermal riding mask and some nice headbands that will fit underneath your helmet too to help keep your ears warm. Lots of good things on our helmet page.
2: Okay, we will be sure to check it out. Well, and how would somebody go about contacting you?
3: Um, they can call us toll free eight six six eight six three two three four nine or visit us online www depot.com.
0: And I want to remind <laughs> everybody that the H R N embroidery swag <laughs> is there as well, so you can yeah. you can find uh, our logo and a bunch of different stuff. So check it out uh, distance uh, thedistancedepot com. Thanks, Kristen.
2: And our next guest is Sarah Cuthbertson, who is an ultra-endurance competitor and a fitness trainer from Ride Like an Athlete. Sarah has ridden in many of the world's toughest and longest horse races and has trained other riders to do the same. We're going to talk about some of her programs and some of her adventures. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. Well, tell us how you got started with Ride Like an Athlete.
4: Um. Well, I, as you said, I've done a lot of um, ultra dirt riding over the years, and so with that comes a component of fitness. Um, and after doing uh, a couple of those rides, I started getting people coming looking for uh, riding advice and you know learning how to do endurance. and I was noticing that there was kind of a um, a missing component there, uh, they would go to a personal trainer at their local gym who, you know, is a bodybuilder or something and wants to beef them up, but is not necessarily giving them uh, exercises that are suited for riding. So I kind of took it upon myself to become certified as a personal trainer so I could give them a better service too and make it more complete so that they could include it into their, their training programs when they're training for things like the Mongol Derby or a Race to the Wild Coast. Uh, So that's kind of how that got started, and I decided to brand myself Ride Like an Athlete because um, I like to think of the athlete side not just cross-training and fitness, but kind of thinking of the rider as a whole as an athlete. So what does an athlete do? They're not just going hard, hard, hard. It's like how we're treating our horses as well. We want to look at our entire lifestyle and really support ourselves so that we can give ourselves our best body performance too. So that's things like building good habits for sleep and nutrition and uh, all those sort of things, Um, making complementary care, things like physiotherapy and that. uh, I know we have a, a bad tendency as riders to give everything to our horses and then we survive on Raymond noodles and we don't get new shoes and we live through the pain. And I wanted to kind of just... And that stigma, um, I wanted it to be okay for riders to treat themselves well, too. So that's where I came up with Ride Like an Athlete.
2: And how long have you been doing this? Uh, so I was
4: first certified as a personal trainer back in 2020. I actually started, I did the um, the practical course in training. Uh, it was the January, right before the pandemic started. And then it took me quite a while to actually get certified because we weren't able to do testing because uh, the pandemic hit and we weren't able to be in person to demonstrate the skills that we had learned. (laughs) So, a couple couple months later, I ended up doing it virtually, um, and I've been doing mostly virtual training ever since. Prior to that, um, I was giving kind of some advice, but I wasn't certified. So, I wanted to be certified so that I could you know, actually have a program, have a little bit of credentials, and give a better service to people so that they can be confident that I'm giving them good advice, not just what worked for me, too.
2: And so, what advice do you have for somebody starting out, and they want to improve, you know, their writing skills and their balance, but they need to get a little bit stronger? Where should they start what I
4: recommend to every single person who starts working with me is to just start with 15 minutes a day of stretching. Um, and it could be yoga, or you, you could call it yoga, you could call it stretching, whatever. Um, but riding is quite labor-intensive, as we know. It, it is a sport. Uh, it does bring a sweat. It does require a lot of muscle so we're already quite active that way, and if we do barn chores too, then we even add to that. A lot of people will make the joke of, "Oh, I don't need a gym. I've got I've got my barn chores to do." Um, so I like to start with the stretching because it can help kind of counteract some of the tightness and um, the imbalances that we'll feel from either you know riding already imbalanced that'll co- um, compound it. Or it will be, um, you know, bunch of things like sweeping and mucking stalls make us very twisted, very one-sided. So, it's about kind of straightening ourselves out and kind of adding a little bit of pain relief there, too. Um, the stretching also helps you get in touch with your body. So, you can have a better body awareness, which we all know is going to help us when we're riding as well. So... Like it's, I say fifteen minutes. Some people will do fifteen minutes. Some people will do like a full hour long yoga class every single day. It's really up to the rider, but um, I I like to start at fifteen minutes because that's an easy palatable chunk to take off. Because anybody can find fifteen minutes in their day, um, and they can just you know no excuses work that habit in every single day.
2: And and so. Um what kind of strength exercises would you recommend?
4: Um, so from a strength perspective, um, really the best thing you can do is something that you enjoy, which I know is a very uh, open-ended answer. It doesn't get probably, everyone's probably writing down, they want to have like a, a list of things to do, uh, but it's not going to be the same for every single person, Right. Um, Mm -hmm. just like you wouldn't assign the same uh, like rehab or conditioning program for every single horse. It's going to be different for every single rider. So that's again, why I like to start off with the stretching too, because you can't really do any harm by doing the wrong thing there. Um, So what I would recommend for anybody who wants to get started doing a strength training program, I would actually recommend that they try a couple of classes, Um, especially now coming out of the pandemic. There are, um, I think we're kind of craving that human interaction. So <laughs> the classes will give you a little bit of that social aspect. It'll make it a little bit more fun. And it's a little cheaper than uh, having to get a personal trainer. Um, and usually these classes will be led by a personal trainer as well. So you can kind of pick their brain at the end of class. I know that's kind of how I got started years ago was picking the trainer's brain at the end of class of, all the the various things that ailed me, um, all my riding injuries and whatnot. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good place for people to start. Um, After that, I would say recommending to actually get a personal trainer because, as I said, that customization is really, really important. Um, But really, long term, if you can find something that you enjoy, if you find that you like the classes, the personal trainer, or maybe something else, then if you can be enjoyable in it, um, you're gonna be consistent in it and consistency is going to be the key for success in any program.
2: Right. And, and I've watched some of your videos on YouTube, which are great. Um, would you uh, recommend to somebody doing something like that if they're um, at home and maybe they don't have a gym nearby um, to watch any of the YouTube videos or is there anything like that that you could suggest?
4: So I do I do have like online training that I do. Um, it's like a it's a membership too. So it's all riding related ones, and we we'll usually work towards your goals there. There's also lots of free stuff on YouTube. Um, you can absolutely give it a try. As I said, if you're just starting out, you may just kind of want to experiment for a little while. So watch a couple different people's stuff. Get to know the coach, see if the way that they word things, if their language speaks to you, if you like their attitude, and if you enjoy what they're doing, continue on with that, that YouTube stuff. If not, you can, as I said, if, if you're not finding anything, um, just start exploring around other other um, uh, channels too, like Facebook and Instagram and that, and just see if there's any coaches that you seem to, um, you, th- you think maybe have a paid program that is interesting to you. Most of them will offer a free trial as well. So take a look, see what they have to offer, and uh, just explore.
2: Okay, and the friend that's been riding my other horse with me would like to know if you have any strength exercises that can keep her knees from hurting after seven miles.
4: (laughs) I I saw that one. Um, So obviously we're on the phone. I can't demonstrate it right now, but there was... There's one exercise that I really like, and I, I think it's good for basically anybody that can do this. It's called a Bulgarian split squat. So I can I can send you that in the show notes later, too, so it's easier to find. Um, but basically, it, look, it looks kind of like a, a lunge, but you're going to put your back foot up on, like, a bench or a chair or something. And then what you're going to do is you're going to slowly go down towards the floor, and what's required there is you have to stack that knee above the ankle, and you really, while you're doing it slowly, you have to think really hard about organizing the body to stay um, directly in line, Um, and it's going to actually work all those muscles around the knee to help stabilize it too. So I like to do that to work on knee stability, and um, I find that that helps with knee pain, I also really recommend just doing a lot of core um, because if our core is engaged and it's supple, um, then we don't have to rely so much on our knees to keep flowing with the movement of the
2: horse. Okay. Okay. Great. And so what other ideas do you have for um, strengthening your body for mounting? For some of us that are vertically challenged and we're getting on a tall horse, what can we do to help make it easier? (laughs) (laughs) Besides standing on a block. (laughs) (laughs) But we want to be able to get Um, on from the ground in case we have to.
4: So I, I think the first part is probably the hip mobility. Um, and now mobility, mobility can sometimes be confused with flexibility. Flexibility is um, your, your muscles ability or your, your joints ability to move within a certain range of motion. Mobility now adds in the strength component in it too. So a combination of stretching um, for the hips, and also um, strengthening for the hips too. So again, like back to the 15 minutes of stretching, if you can focus it mostly on hip exercises, and as I said, you can Google it, you can go on YouTube, there's all sorts of different ones out there. Um, I can provide them too. And um, so work on that flexibility so that you've got that full range of motion. But then you also want to start adding in some strength training for it as well. Things like um, squats from a deeper deeper levels, so a lot of people will tend to squat, they want to stay up above the vertical. Um, that's not going to take you through the full range of motion for strengthening those hips. so actually working on getting those hips lower than the knees when you're doing your squat and then pushing all the way up. that's going to give you a lot more strength there. Um, you could do maybe some um, higher intensity stuff where you you know you're adding in the jumps and that. Um, It'll kind of give you that little extra oomph while you're getting up there. But you do have to consider, too, if you have any um, injuries that might be aggravated by impact activity. So things like, uh, you know, even just like jumping jacks, and that will give you that little bit of oomph, but it might also give you, um, you know, symptoms and that if that's something that you're prone to. So just something to consider there. Uh, But yeah, I, I definitely like to work on the hip and glutes when it comes to mounting.
2: Okay. And as an older rider, what advice do you have for working on strength or resistance type of training exercises? Um, it's Not that you're the older crazy. rider. I'm asking for um, me.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so um, I mean, we don't even have to say older rider, too, because sarcopenia, which is um, the, the deterioration of muscle tissue over time, it starts at the age of 35. Or around, around there, depending on uh, your, okay. your body. So, I mean, I'm in that stage, too. <laughs> so, you know, younger riders, they should be listening to this, too. Um, so, basically, there's no... It's, it's never too early to start adding strength training into your program um, because it's it's easier to gain it when you're younger. It's harder to gain it when you're older. But if you continue... Um, you're able to maintain it a lot more when you're older. doesn't mean that it's too late. It just means that you may have to adjust your expectations. So, Mm -hmm. again, I think working with a personal trainer, somebody who's kind of able to guide you through the progress, um, you know, we're looking at progressive overload. So you'd start at a relatively easy option, like a body weight option, and then work into adding weight when you're ready. So so I think working with an experienced professional um, would be really helpful, especially as you age, because, We know we don't. We only have so many. You know we we don't want to be sore for the saddle. We want to save ourselves for that, obviously. Um, So there is a fine balance, but everybody's going to be a little bit different.
2: Right. So if some of us aren't able, like let's just say they don't have enough time to when they get to the barn to ride their horse, what are some things we can do with our horses? together like say like right now it's not really safe for me to go ride because everything's icy so what what kind of things can I do with my horse to get us both out and get a little bit of exercise
4: um I usually just like hand walking um mm-hmm. this time of year it's space for both of you um you know at this point in time I kind of just let my horses down for the winter uh you know I I try to not feel bad about it. I know that they need their rest as much as I do. Um, but I like to focus on myself through the winter because I can do all these stuff indoors and then I can bring my best self to uh-huh. my horse when ride season starts again. So I'm already prepared. And then ride season, because of the lower intensity, that almost becomes my rest period. So it's kind of like myself and my horses have opposing rest periods. Um, what I would do with my horse, honestly, these days I just go in and I groom
2: them. <laughs> I have fun with them. I just work on my uh-huh. relationship. Yeah, yeah. What I've been doing is because I've been doing the blanket switch because we've had s- such severe weather. I'll take the blanket off, take them for a walk, and then put a different blanket on them when I'm done. And then that way I'm trying to alleviate yeah. them getting any rubs. But they're getting bored mentally. They want it, to. It, they <laughs> want me to you know do something with them as well as grooming them of course so um yeah well yeah. we did
4: have so this is back in december um, i have ashley who works with me and she's a, a massage therapist for for the horses and she does most of our um kind of conditioning training in that as well um she ran a off-season bingo challenge um there's a facebook group all the videos are still up there so there's Things like pole works, different stretches and massages and stuff that you can do for your horse. Um, mm-hmm. and it was, however many squares are in a bingo, in a bingo, so it's up 25, I think. So, uh, you know, do one a day and it gets almost through a month and you guys <laughs> repeat.
2: Okay. And I have one final question. This one um, was yeah. about the GPS components of the remote races that you do where there's no trail marking. Um, tell us about how you learned how to do that riding at speed and follow the trail with a GPS.
4: Um, So I have kind of a funny story with that. Um, So when I was training for the Mongol Derby, um, we actually had to provide our own GPSs. So I bought it off of Amazon or whatever before, and I got to to practice with it at home. So, you know, you can kind of walk around the street and and work on, on stuff like that. What I ended up doing with mine was I—I I, uh, oh, I guess you could call it geocaching up in the, the local forest. And I knew I knew it was possible to ride to the local forest. I hadn't quite done it yet, so I went into the parking lot. I put in my horse's water and I put in a bucket of fried chicken as my motivation to get there and I <laughs> put in the pin there. Um, and then I had to navigate myself into the forest. And I was actually the first time I—I um, I was supposed to ride with my my. Brand new coach for the very first time, and she uh she sees me pull a bucket of chicken out of the forest and just laughs at me. <laughs> <laughs> if you can tolerate that, I mean, we've been with each other ever since, so.
2: Well, that's a good incentive. <laughs> a little
4: food motivation, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think a lot of the Mongol Derby riders these days. I think they actually provide them, uh, which is a shame because they don't get a chance to practice with them. But I think. I mean, we—if—if if you've talked a lot about the Mongol Derby before, you probably know what the cost is to do something like that. So, going and buying a GPS to train on is kind of, you know, it's more money to spend, but it's kind of a valuable investment.
2: Mm-hmm. So, sure. I recommend sure. doing it at
4: home when there's a no pressure involved whatsoever.
2: Okay, so tell us your website address and how would somebody get in touch with you if they wanted personalized coaching. That's-
4: yeah, it's ridelikeanathlete.com, and there's a contact form right on there. So they can just click it, and it sends me an email. Or um, they can send me an email directly at ridelikeanathlete.gmail.com.
2: At okay. Well, terrific. Well, thanks for joining us, Sarah. I appreciate it.
4: Oh, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun.
2: Before we mention the next guest or get to the next guest, if people sign up for Sarah's newsletter, they will get a free workout, which includes a 15-minute mobility sequence, a 15-minute stretch, and a strength workout, plus one bonus horse stretch.
0: Well, next up in Karen's full slate of guests today, we have Claire on with us, and she's the author of a new book that's releasing today, Race Against Time, A Girl, A Pony, and the Toughest 100-Mile Race in the World. It's going to be available on Amazon. We will put a link to it. Claire has been on before, but I am so excited about this because we had Kyla Law on right after her Tevis finish and her mom, and they're so delightful. Hi, Claire.
2: Hi. How are you? Hi, Claire. Hi, Claire.
5: So, Hi, Karen.
0: How, so, j- let's just remind everybody who Kyla is and what what the story, what you know, kind of a Reader's Digest of what her pony is.
5: Sure. So, Kyla Law is from Southern Utah. And she's a a young girl who acquired a 46-inch, so 11-2 hackney pony uh, about, well, five years ago now, four years before Tevis. Um, The pony was completely wild, feral, had a lot of issues, um, would literally tremble when he was around people, especially children. Um, didn't like noise. Didn't like you know fussing and screaming. Had never been ridden. And welcome so to the world she, of hackney ponies. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> when she acquired this pony through her trainer uh, Sheila Wetter, um, she was nine years old. So if you can imagine a very socially inept, bullied, uh, very withdrawn nine-year-old girl meeting a very scared, feral hackney pony. Um, the first part of the book is is just about their story leading up to Tevis. And then the second part of the book covers their Tevis journey, which was quite spectacular and wonderful. So I think it's a really, um, it's sort of like the rest of the story. You know, a lot of people heard about Kylan Flash and followed them on Flash's Facebook page, The Adventures of Flash the Hackney Pony. Um, and we invite you all to, to get on there and follow him because there's a lot of fun, fun videos of him doing crazy stuff stuff on there but um it was it was just a spectacular journey and we had a lot of followers and that ultimately led to us telling the rest of the story
0: and so so was this book in the works before or did you get contact contact her or they contact you after
5: you know, we, I, didn't, I had never met the family before Tevis. And I was actually up there. It was one of the, the few times I'm up there not crowing or, you know, without a job. And I was actually just um, there to hang out with Julie Sir, who a lot of people know, the Grand Dame of Endurance, 98 years old. Um, we were hanging out on Bath Road and just watching everyone come in. And we actually missed seeing them come in. So I didn't even see them out on the trail. But uh, walking around the stalls at the fairground, after, uh, before the award ceremony on Sunday, I came across Flash and his uh, his trail buddy Brave, who's a sixteen three saddlebred that, um, that that Natalie was riding, and they are such an interesting pair, especially when you see them side by side. You know, the tallest horse at Tevis that year, and the smallest horse to ever uh, compete at Tevis. And it just got me thinking, you know, what is their story? So I did watch the awards ceremony. I saw them there, but I didn't approach them because, of course, they were busy. Everybody's busy with their friends and family and crew. And so I reached out to Natalie when they were on their way home just through Facebook Um, one of the wonderful things about Facebook, right? It's so easy to reach out and contact people. You and everybody else in this (laughs) couple. I know. I and we did too. So (laughs) we just started talking about doing a book and she she put me in touch with with Kyla and we started talking then on their journey home. And and we just never stopped talking until, you know, well, it's still we still haven't stopped. It's just been an ongoing (laughs) relationship, but it's been Incredible. One of the joys of writing this book was getting to know that family.
0: Well, and we're going to have a guest on shortly after you're done who's going to, who actually got an early copy of the book and read it and has a review for us. So she's also a writer, and that's going to be interesting to hear from somebody that has seen it or has read it already. Do you? Uh, is it av- how is it available? Is it available in book and Kindle, or what's the story?
5: Yeah, so right now we have a, a, a paperback, sort of a high quality paperback version, and then the Kindle version. Um, they are available on Amazon. They're also available through the publisher, which is Cedar Fort Books. Um, and we will be having, starting next week, uh, we'll be having signed copies available on my website. So under com. So, uh, we're going to get together this weekend at our, our premiere, which is in St. George, Utah, and we're going to sign a whole bunch of copies. And that way I'll have some available to send out to anyone who'd like a signed copy of the book.
0: What's the thing that surprised you the most with Kyla?
5: You know, what is well, I mean, there's a couple of things. So one of them is how much she has changed. Uh, When I first met her, I I am not kidding. I arrived at their house in St. George having never met them. Uh, This was our first meeting to discuss the book. And she was still pretty quiet and hanging in the background. And it's a very rambunctious family. um, Four children, they had guests over with other kids, and she just was really hanging in the back. Um, since then, and, and through this po- process, and of course, her her growing up a little bit, she's 14 now, um, she has just evolved into such a confident, wonderful young, young lady. And if you know her story, um, you know, she was severely bullied. I mean, she was tortured at school. Kids can be so mean. And one of the things that we wanted to... Sort of talk about with this this book and, and that we talk about when we 're going around um, doing book signings and 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 talks to the general public is you know how awful bullying is and Kyla wanted to use that as sort of her platform, and I think that her bravery in being willing to talk about what she went through and how it affected her. Um, has been incredible. That, that's just one of the things I, I love the most. Um, you know, and the other thing is, to be honest, they're, they're uh, a family that are part of the LDS Church. Um, I don't know a lot of people within the LDS Church, and I'm not LDS, and faith is, is a big part of their story. And so for me to sort of get to see that side of things and and how they really use their faith to get through their journey was pretty incredible and um i just love that aspect there there are so many different aspects to the story it's it's not just a girl and a pony love story it's it's about faith. It's about parenting. It's about a mother and daughter going on this journey together. And and as you both know, it's not just the race. It's all of the training leading up to the race. Um, so many many adventures, especially on the XP rides with you know Annie and uh, Dave Nicholson, the duck, and and just their their relationship that they formed with so many people in the community. Um, it's, it's just been a real joy to tell their story and all of the different aspects that, that, you know, were pulled into it. And hopefully I, I did a good, good job of that. I was, I was really, uh, you know, I really wanted to respect their faith and, and, and be as true to their story as we could possibly get in all aspects. Um, so I think we, you know, the reaction has been really good so far. So fingers crossed that continues. So now I assume you got to meet Flash, right? Um,
3: Absolutely. All right. We're going to talk.
0: Hold on. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, I want to mention that there's also going to be a documentary coming out. uh, And it's going to be available, what, after National Convention, right?
5: Right. So this this documentary um, is going to be shown at the premiere, which is coming up this weekend, January 14th in St. George, Utah. We have actually we're going to do the the uh, the book launch at a movie theater so that the documentary can be shown on the big screen with surround sound. Oh, cool! Uh, I am super excited about that project. You know, I, I was interviewed for it, as was um a lot of Kyla's family and other people that were involved with their journey. And I also got to write a song, which is in the documentary, which we recorded. Yeah, we recorded in the studio, and it turned out just more amazing than I could have imagined. Uh, Ricky Valadez was the producer, and he did such an amazing job. And it's in the documentary, and Kyla is even doing a, a little bit of a, a an appearance or a, a vocal in the song at the very end. And her father is one of the lead singers, which I just think is incredible. You know, I just think... He's such an incredible singer, and for him to be part of the song project was just such a joy. And so, you know, it's going to be a big weekend for us coming up.
0: Do you mind if I play the uh, uh, trailer
5: for it? No, go ahead.
0: It is not the mountains we conquer, but ourselves. The Tevis Cup is the toughest 100 mile endurance race in the world, a race against time. 132 of the fittest horses, and one 46 inch pony. One bullied and lonely, one fearful and mistrusting. You can't just jump out on a horse and do 100 miles. Two enduring spirits.
1: Are they going to make it through? Where are they at?
3: Let
4: God be in your life. He's there for you always, even in the darkest times.
0: So you met Flash. Tell us a little bit about Flash and your meeting with Flash.
5: Well, I have met Flash a few times now, but I have to tell you, the the one thing that everybody comments on when they first meet Flash is how small he is. Mm -hmm. Because even in pictures and videos, you truly do not get... The same, um, you know, appreciation for how small this pony really is until you're standing next to him. And he, he's just tiny, but, you know, in a very athletic build, not in a sort of plump pony build. And and he is such a character. He's as small as he is. He's got a character that's larger than life. Um, the, the family still say that, that you know, Flash is is really not broke to ride. He's only broke for Kyla to ride. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's and, interesting. We had this conversation yeah. about hackney ponies before. Yeah, um, Mine's about a hand taller than that one. Mine's 12'2". Yeah.
5: And okay.
0: pulls a cart and everything. But hackneys tend to be one-person ponies.
5: Yeah, they, they really are. Yeah, yeah, they'll
0: tolerate other people, but th- yeah. they're a one-person pony
5: yeah and and the challenge of course one of the reasons and the main reason we called the book race against time is that flash isn't growing any taller whereas Kyla has grown a foot and a half since she did Tevin. I, it wow. was
3: it was really
5: their last opportunity to do this ride together and it was you know because of Tevis being canceled the previous year due to covid um, they really thought they'd lost their chance so It was, it was a nail biting lead up to whether they would be able to do this and. The fact that they did it so magnificently, I think, is is awesome. Um, well, Kyla, but yeah, if you're
0: listening it- to this, you can still do something with your <laughs> pony, and that's put a little cart behind your pony and go. So you can <laughs> still drive so, that pony.
5: No, that sounds very scary to me.
0: <laughs> Riders just hate that for some reason. <laughs> you I don't,
5: don't know, know where you'd end up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think Kyla would love it. I think she'd have a blast driving her little pony around. Um, yeah, yeah. So, sure. again, where can people find the book?
5: So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, we're going to be in some brick and mortar um, Barnes & Noble stores, but everything online, cedarfort.com under books. Uh, there's also a lot of swag and merchandise at cedarfort.com, t-shirts and all kinds of fun stuff with Flash's logo on it. And then sign copies at my website, claireckardauthor.com.
0: Thank you, Claire. We appreciate it. I'm so glad you did this because it it truly, well, I mean, it's the smallest horse slash pony to ever finish Tevis. So, ever.
5: They yeah. made history. And
0: you, yeah. you documented it. I think that's terrific. So thanks, Claire. Thank you
2: so much. Always yeah, a Thanks, pleasure. Claire. Our next guest is Jenny Rich. And Jenny is a writer who has actually written Race Against Time. And so we're going to get her opinion on what she thought about the book. Welcome, Jenny. Hi, Garen. Thank you so much for
1: having me. I'm just happy, happy to be here, and so honored to give you my thoughts on such an inspirational little book. Well, great. So, tell
2: us what did you think about it?
1: You know, I loved it. I just thought it was um, a great little story. I mean, it talks about bullying. It talks about overcoming fears, um, and of course, you know, the love between a little girl and her plucky pony, and you know, a story about a journey to achieve a dream. It's down, and you know, the down to earth of nature of of the people in the book, the fact that they draw strength from their faith, you know, I, I really found the whole thing heartwarming.
2: And so how much did you know about Kyla and Flash before you read the book?
1: Um, not a whole lot. I i didn't really follow them like, you know, I think some people did the way they talk about it in the book. But um, I did know, uh, I did the virtual Tevis this year. So I, you know, followed a little bit people talking about it on there. Um, So I knew they completed, I knew they completed the Tevis, but um, still it was uh, just listening and reading the story was there was times when you were like, Oh my gosh, are are they, are they going to make it? Oh, they're they're, is it going to happen? Oh gosh. You know? So there's still the, the emotions and the, and the, and the feelings through it. So it was, it was fun.
2: So I take it, you give it a thumbs up. I absolutely give it a thumbs up. <laughs> and who who would you recommend read this book?
1: Um, you know, I I recommend anybody. I mean, uh, adults obviously are you know it, we need in these times of of strife and whatnot we need you know we need a feel good story. And then you know you know teenagers and kids they they need a story too because I think it, it will talk to them for you know getting through the hard times and you know to see that. We all have these these feelings and of of you know overwhelmed being overwhelmed by stuff at times and and it you know it talks about that and it talks about overcoming problems and overcoming things and and you know we all we all need that I think
2: so you um, definitely recommend the book that's great and um, we thank you for joining us to tell us about it this morning is there anything else you want to add? Um, no, I just
1: I really appreciate it and yeah I, I definitely enjoyed it and. It was a fun read, so yeah. I
0: wonder if Hackney <laughs> yeah. Pony sales are going to go up after this book. Uh.
2: <laughs> Could be. <laughs> did, did this inspire down. you to, to make you want to come out and ride Tevis? <laughs> oh, to, you know, I think, I think, watch,
1: you know, just the uh, this is the um. I, I have a fear of falling off a mountain. So that's kind of. A... <laughs> yeah, me too. But so this, yeah, right. <laughs> so this was this was definitely one of those where I could live vicariously through a through a little girl in her pony. <laughs> well,
0: thank you, Jenny. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thank, right, you. thank you so much.
0: There's a full show of content for you there today, and I can't wait to see the documentary. And uh, for all of you wanting to get the book, go get it today. The documentary will be out next month, and that'll be available apparently all over the place. So you'll be able to watch it uh, as well. I think they're going to show it first uh, at at convention, and uh, which is right up the street from me this year. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So I'm waiting for the first big convention to come to the World Equestrian Center. Uh hasn't happened yet, but I'm sure it will. I'm sure we're going to see that happen. They plan these things so far in advance. Uh, but I think we'll see conventions start here pretty soon. Good. Well, Karen, good. Uh, where can people follow you?
2: Um, NV Endurance Writer. I'm on uh, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram.
0: Very good. And, of course, you can find all the past episodes of The Endurance Show, including Kyla's interview right after she was done. So that would have been what? In our September or October?
2: uh July or August uh whatever month Tevis was that year Yeah it's, it's one of if, those. If
0: you look at, if you just search for her on our uh, website, go to com and just search for Kyle or, or Flash. It'll pop up. And you can take a listen to her interview. But uh, you can find all the past shows just by going to horseinthemorning.com, scroll down in the middle of the page, click on the endurance banner, and that'll bring you to all like nine years worth. So there's quite a few, <laughs> a few for you to catch up on. And of course, Jamie and I will be back tomorrow here on Horses in the Morning. We're here every day, five days a week. And We look forward to having you back then. Thanks, Karen. We'll talk to you soon. Don't get snowed in. (laughs) Thanks. Keep that shovel ready. You're going to need it. I've got
1: three.